0: Praise changes our perspective and it directs us toward Christ. And when we do that, when we come to worship and we praise the Lord, even in suffering, even in sorrow, there's power in that. And the Lord is healing in that.
1: Hello, and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions and take a candid look at the Christian faith. You may or may not have watched or attended a service at the Church of the Apostles where I serve. If you have, you know the blessing of being led in song by our incredibly gifted team. For them, their job is not about performance, but about leading the church body in this one aspect of corporate worship before God. I know each member of the team personally, and I know their stories, Each has been through the refiner's fire in different ways. However, they still offer up a sacrifice of praise week in and week out with joy. Recently, each member of the music team wrote a song for a project called Apostles Worship. Last week, we shared the first one with you, The Shepherd's Song by Paul Reeves. Today, we're with Jeremy and Lauren Ezell. Jeremy and Lauren have spent the greater part of the last two decades writing and performing all over the nation with their respective music acts. The two met at a radio interview, later married, and started performing as a duo under the name St. Jane in 2016. After surrendering to a call to ministry, they left their bands and currently serve as music leaders at the Church of the Apostles. Respectively, the two have performed with artists such as Alabama, Chris Daltrey, Need to Breathe, Diamond Rio, and Switchfoot. Jeremy is the assistant music leader and Lauren, the administrator to our 20s and 30s, Young Families, and Family Ministries. She's also the newly appointed producer of Candid Podcast. In our discussion today, Jeremy and Lauren share their hearts behind their song called Renew Our Song. They speak about their struggle with infertility, their thoughts on worship through music, and their desire to write music for the church to be an encouragement. Check the show notes for a link to their song. I know you will want to listen to it again and again. And now, to our candid conversation. Well, Jeremy, Lauren Izell, it's a great privilege and honor to have you on Candid Conversations. Thank you for joining us.
2: It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you became involved in music, and how you became involved in each other's lives.
0: I grew up in a family. My dad was a, a music minister and gospel singer. I grew up in it, and apparently from the time I could speak, I was singing. And so that was just life. I never knew anything else. And so I never could do anything else. And so they say, if you can do anything else other than music, then do something else other than music. And it's always been a means of expression and something I've enjoyed in college. I started playing in bands and that brought me to Atlanta. I was in a band, came to Atlanta, band broke up as happens. You know, we came up here for fame and fortune and then just lost it all. And everything, uh, (laughs) everything fell apart. And, um, Shortly thereafter, got back in another band, and uh, we started touring, and and that's actually how I met Lauren.
2: I grew up in a musical family. Um, My grandmother's a singer-songwriter, and that was a huge influence on my life. And I would spend my summers with her on the farm, and she would make me listen to Willie Nelson and country music, and I hated it growing up. Um, Now I absolutely love it, of course. (laughs)
1: Um, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And so... um, I grew up singing in the church. My sister, I have an older sister, did the kind of the pop rock thing. And I played along, played music with her. And I realized that's not what I wanted to do. Um, And as I was learning to write songs, I just told stories. And country music tells stories. When I got into college, I was a music major. And that's kind of my wheelhouse, what I wanted to do. I fell into radio. Worked in radio for about 10 years and have really supportive parents. And they said, if you're going to do music, you should do it now. And so I did. And um, I had a band and we toured. And that's where I met Jeremy. Basically, like, we would play the same festivals and we would bump into one another. And we'd be like, oh, you're from Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. How crazy, you know? I knew he was... um, part-time working at a church, leading worship. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's a believer. How cool. Um, And so we were kind of mutual friends for like four years. I can even remember meeting at a coffee shop. We were in different relationships at the time, talking about maybe doing shows together. But I think we both were like, yeah, country music and rock and roll, like touring together, that probably wouldn't work. But I find yeah, it funny because I think the Lord has a sense of humor being like, "Little, right. do you know you're going to marry <laughs> one <right>. another?" That's <laughs> right. That's
1: right. Country music and rock and roll will be together. Right, That's right, right. right. <laughs> oh man.
2: And so, yeah. um, yeah, we knew each other for a couple of years and then as the Lord would have it, our other relationships ended and I went through a season of just singleness of the Lord healing my heart and Jeremy and I just became really close friends. We all hung out in this friend group mm-hmm. yep. and got to know each other really well. And then it led to dating and marriage. Yep. Right.
0: Yep. Lauren was my buddy. <laughs> uh, we, we would go to movies and hang out and I just call her and say, Hey, me and my friends are going to go see Star Trek. You want to go? She's like, yeah, sure. And so we we just go see Star Trek. And yeah, it, it, I think it was my dad that kind of called it. And I said, uh, son, who's this girl you've been talking to? And I was like, well, you know, uh, she's, she's, singer songwriter and he said is she a christian i said yes he said is she attractive and i said yes and uh he said so you're telling me you've met someone who's attractive who's a believer who gets what you do and i said yes long
1: pause on the phone i don't know what you're
0: waiting (laughs) on (laughs) that's exactly right (laughs) he kind of he kind of called it and uh, and yeah so the rest is history
1: In a little bit, we're going to listen to this song that you guys have co-wrote together. Mm -hmm. But just out of curiosity, for those of us who are not musically gifted and don't understand writing of music, how for you as a couple, how are songs created for you guys?
2: That's a good question. And I think like when Jeremy and I were dating, or even before we were dating, he knew that I was working on new material for an album. And he even reached out and was like, hey do you want to co-write some songs together? And I thought, sure. Um, So we started co-writing and that's when our co-writing sessions would turn into like studies of scripture in the Bible, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd be like, Oh my goodness, this person, a believer. Wow. You know, but when you co-write with someone, you learn so much about their style Mm -hmm. because I feel like songwriters, they all write differently. You know, sometimes it starts with lyrics. Sometimes it just starts with music. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it starts with an idea or a hook um, or even for me, oftentimes it's whatever I'm reading, whatever I'm watching on TV, a series, or even like children, if you're around children, they can say some really funny, catchy stuff that you're like, that would be a great song. Yeah. And so when we started songwriting together, our styles just kind of really gelled. We would come together with ideas and, uh, Jeremy's more on the musical side. He can play pretty much anything, which It's just not fair. (laughs) Um, And so... That's an advantage you have for sure. He's like, oh, I can play French horn. I'm like, what? I can play trumpet. I just found that out, I think, last week. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you played trumpet. Okay, well, that makes sense.
1: Five years in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) When we got married, we didn't know what was going to happen with our music careers. Two musicians getting married, it's going to be tough, right? You know, How are we going to make ends meet? I was a nanny on the side as well as doing music. And just the Lord was stirring something in our hearts.
0: I had been feeling... A pull toward ministry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was leading music part time in a in a in a church, and I had been nominated and called to be an elder in that church. And um, and so through that, the Lord was really moving my heart. I was at a service at Apostles uh, about eleven years ago, and um, with the twenties and thirties, um, and I was it, it was called Impact at, at the time, but the young adults ministry at Church of the Apostles. And I was sitting there, and, and at that time I was touring, and I wasn't doing ministry at all. I was, I was just in a band, and I was playing what I called real rock and roll. And the Lord really got a hold of me, and, and I, I remembered feeling impressed by the Holy Spirit that, as if He was saying, "You are using your gifts everywhere except in my church, and that's not okay." And so I, I talked to my friend who was the music guy there, and I just said, "You know, if, if you need somebody to help or..." If I can serve in any way, just let me know. Once I surrendered to that, it wasn't long before this church that I was serving at part-time had called me and asked me to uh, do music there. And um, and that that's a whole other story, but that was a, a divine appointment as well. The Lord just providentially moved me in that direction. And I think it was just His gentle nudge that whole time, kind of moving me in that direction. So how that ties into songwriting is... I love this quote that my friend Craig Hawkins, who's a painter, a visual artist, he says, "My faith is not what I paint about, but it's the light by which I paint." I find that quote really interesting, and it was really helpful for me at the time, especially because not all of our songs are worship songs. Right? We don't only write music, but all of our music is. Through the lens, through that gospel lens, Mm -hmm. all of our music is affected by the gospel because that is so ingrained in who we are,
3: that
0: Christ has affected us and he has changed us. And so now what is coming out of us, so right out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so that has been uh, kind of part of our story as songwriters coming from being what would be considered, I guess, secular pop musicians, mm-hmm. either in country or, or in rock and roll, but coming out of that into being yeah. music leaders in a, in a church for a congregation and not an audience, right? Right. Now, yep. um, it's a uh, it's a different thing entirely. But I guess the medium of songwriting is very similar. It is out of the abundance of the heart, what God is using in our lives, the Scripture that He keeps putting on our mm-hmm. our minds those little nuggets of truth that come through either a conversation with a friend or a sermon or a prayer meeting, um, just the the burden of needing to write music that's edifying to the body. Uh, And so that's kind of where we've come to uh, in many ways. And we still write a lot of different songs, but that's been a, a big thing for us.
1: Do you find there's a difference between how you write a song that you know will be played and sung in church versus one, you know, to use your phrase, pop, secular, whatever, music. Yes. Because you're right. I understand that there's an umbrella of the gospel lens that that you see everything through. Right. Which gives you perspective. Mm -hmm. But like philosophically, what's your mindset as you write church song versus non-church song? Absolutely.
2: I think the answer is yes and no. (laughs) And I say that because, um, okay, so a lot of times in our life, As songwriters, when you go through a struggle, oftentimes we just have to write about it. We have to sing about it. We have to get it out. And so oftentimes if the Lord is stirring us in our hearts about something we're struggling about, we're going to write about it. But oftentimes we can be like, let's have the intention of this being a worship song, you know, a congregational worship song. Mm -hmm. And so we can write it with that perspective. And then there's sometimes where you've written that recent song, Quiet, Mm -hmm. where obviously that was like the Lord pressed upon your heart. And I don't think you intended that to be a worship song, but oh my goodness, that could definitely be a worship song. And it just makes me cry, Yeah, you know, but that's definitely influenced by the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know? And then we have songs where I'm like, oh, that's a funny catchphrase. Let's just write a country song, you know? So I say like, oftentimes I would say probably more times we have the intention of what, where we see the song going. And then sometimes, (laughs) Like Jeremy, I know you just sit down and you play, and you just write whatever comes out mm-hmm. without an intention. You just have to get it out there, right. you know. Like yeah. it's it's therapeutic, yeah. you know.
0: Absolutely, I think that um, writing music that's intended for worship can take on a different characteristic because we're considering not just how I feel, yeah, or how I'm experiencing God. It's mm-hmm. how we, yeah, collectively. It's the, it's the we, and often we forget that in a modern worship culture, we can forget the we. This is not just me coming before the Lord as an individual, but I'm coming before the Lord together with the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. united in singing praise to him. Yeah. I think that's a profound difference between... It's not that certain songs that, that are more individually focused can't be useful in worship, you know, and can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood, right? I mean, Wesley's were writing very personal songs, but those songs are also we songs. They're not right. just only I songs. Right. They are, they're songs that consider the body. Yeah. And so, yes, I think Lauren's right. And the, and there's songs like the songs you mentioned quiet, that is particularly about me struggling with God's silence in my life in some ways and how difficult it is when the Lord is silent on something. And so for me, it was, a it was processing and, You know, ultimately, we're we're not in relationship to an idea or to a set of concepts. We're in relationship with a person. So when we're worshiping God, you know, we have an entire book, Lamentations. Hmm. Many of the Psalms are laments. There is room for that in worship. The Lord wants. I heard Ligon Duncan speak about the Psalms once, and he said, um, "What does it mean when we have Psalms that are laments?" that end in desperation. And I'm forgetting the particular Psalm that ends with all of my friends have abandoned me. Ligan's point in that what he said was that the Lord wants you to sing your despair to him. Mm -hmm. And that's profound when you stop and think about it, especially now in these days and this year, 2020 and so many people struggling, so many people dealing with despair. Mm
1: -hmm. And we often want to take it to someone else. Right. Or to an authority like a government or a representative, how much does the church actually consider? Let's take this to God.
0: Right. And if we do consider the fact that we are in relationship to a trinity of persons, right. That that is a profoundly real relationship. Yeah. Tangible. In fact, then why would we go to anyone else? Mm -hmm. You know, where else would we go Uh, with Peter? Who else? Yeah. Where else should we turn? You have the words of eternal life. And so I think that there is a difference between writing songs for worship and writing songs that are just, you know, and Lauren and I've written plenty of songs. She came in one, one day and said, hey, I've got an idea for a song. I was like, OK, what is that? She said, I'm just sick and tired. I was like, oh, great. This is going to go good for me. <laughs> you know, so it's a country song. That's yeah, a country exactly. song. Yeah, that's exactly. definitely not going to be used in worship. No. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we have songs like that that are just fun songs. But then songs like Quiet or Renew Our Song or mm-hmm. some something mm-hmm. else that's was written out of struggle, but is right. intended for the body. Right. You know? yeah. Just to shift gears
1: before we get to your song, I'm curious to get your thoughts on Christian music industry?
0: Here's the challenge. Anytime we attempt to combine the world's motivations, the world's constructs, the world's perspectives, and we begin to blend them with what is intended to be God-honoring, Christ-centered, gospel-oriented things, there's a, a muddying of the waters there. And it's dangerous. I mean, it, we, we have it with everything, books and everything. And it is right. it is a fine line that we have to walk very carefully. It's one thing to use the language. It's one thing to have contextualization, right, to to let the music of the church. We go back to Athanasius and, and Arius and back in right. church history. Throughout church history, the church has utilized the culture and utilize the sounds of the culture, the language of the culture right. to spread the gospel right. in Acts, Paul and the, the Areopagus,
1: brains, yeah. Areopagus mm. right?
0: I mean, we look around and we see all the gods of the world and we say, Hey, let me tell you about this unknown God that you don't know. And we use their language and what they know to tell them about what they don't know.
1: Yeah, Even quoting their
0: philosophy. Right, exactly. And so that makes perfect sense. I think where we have to be really careful is when we use a term like industry. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because industry is industrious to the point of making money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the purpose of it. Right. And so we have to be very careful in that. Mm-hmm. Now that may <laughs> step on some toes and I might be shooting myself Deal. in the foot here. Right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, Lauren and I make money from music and that's what we do. We play music, we sell music and that's part of what we do. And there is a place where you do pay the, the worker his wage, you know, and, is it wrong for me to expect something or to hope for something, you know, and some sort of support for what I do? I don't think so. But at the same time, should I be doing it strictly for the money? No, absolutely not. And is it industry? I was in Nashville and I was, I was in a coffee shop and I overheard a conversation between a publisher and a songwriter. And um, it was really frustrating to listen to because they were going through all the different genres and all the things that this guy was doing. And, and, the publisher said uh, to the writer, "Do you also write worship? Because that's really big right now. That could be a really great money maker for you if you if you do." It took all I could do to not get up and go over and interrupt that conversation and overturn the tables in the room. Right. <laughs> you know.
3: Good thing you brought <laughs> your yeah.
0: whip. Right. Exactly. I should have got. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like it, it's just like that's the wrong perspective. Yeah. Right. Um, and there are a lot of guys out there doing it for the right reasons. and support that, you know, I guess the challenge is knowing, but the Lord can use, if he can speak from the mouth of a donkey, he can speak through, you know, and so it's not ideal, but sometimes there's great songs that come from people who have bad intentions. Sure. So that's all I'll say about that.
1: (laughs) What makes a song, a hymn, a church song and what makes it not a church song?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we've kind of covered a little bit of that, but I'm, Yep. Because sometimes yes. I've, I've sat in church services and I think this sounds like a song from a boyfriend to a girlfriend.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so yeah so true. absolutely. Um, that's the kicker, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing because we're talking about relationship. Mm-hmm. And so there is, there is, I think room for those songs that seem very deeply personal in worship. And David wrote those songs to uh, the King David, you know, or the Psalmist did as well. But at the same time, they were also Christocentric right they were they were centered on Christ, and we look back and see that they were centered on Christ. David looked ahead
3: mm-hmm.
0: in writing about things that he into which he longed to look, right, right. and so, as uh, Peter tells us, but yeah, so I think that these are uh, these are really great questions and really hard to to draw hard lines sometimes, and I want to be careful because there are some deeply personal songs that are really, really great songs and should be shared with the world the question is what should the church be singing and with that it's it's songs that I think are clearly gospel centric reminding us of the gospel they are vertical but they also are horizontal because when we sing we are fighting with one another not fighting with one another thank goodness just <laughs> <Some We're, laughs> right right but we are fighting for one another we are reminding one another of the gospel. We're reminding one another of this God who is true, who is communing with us. He's present with us and he's worthy of all worship and praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Right. And,
2: and I'll bounce off of that. And the fact that, so I was in the Christian music side and radio. And before that, my mom worked in the industry. And I will say within like the past 20 years, Christian music has changed so much. It went from, Christian entertainment and there still is quote unquote Christian entertainment that sells as an industry makes money to hymns and worship music you know i don't mm. think 15 years ago we would have would have heard Christian worship on the radio like we do now you know and there's some things to that that's really great yep. like children are listening to that in the car you know being reminded of God's character You know, his word. There are some Mm. great things about that. And so I feel like there's been a change. And maybe it's that we're getting older, our generation is getting older, and we see what we were brought up with, and now we're going, Oh, but man, those hymns we sang, can we bring those back? Can we just change them? We now realize the importance of a hymn, the body of the church singing all together, not just a me and of like you said, a vertical, but a horizontal gathering, worshiping the Lord, right. you know? Right. And so I think there's something really beautiful and maybe I'm biased through my viewpoint of how it's changed for me in the music industry. But I think as a whole, maybe if you agree that like mm-hmm. the industry has changed and there are some great things coming Absolutely. out for Absolutely. sure that you've even introduced me to that. I'm like, oh my goodness, people are writing some hymns like this. This is fantastic, you yeah. know, and yeah we even play them, you know? Yep.
0: I think in, in many cases, I mean, you've got, you know, a lot of great artists that are writing new hymns even, um, but not just hymns, but even newer psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? I mean, we used to sing the Psalter way back in the day. And then, you know, when Calvin started the church in Geneva, uh, the, the Protestant church in Geneva, he hired musicians, composer and a lyricist to retune the psalms. Yeah. And so there, the church is always writing new music. And so we don't need to be afraid of new music. I think the question is, is that new music Christ-centered? Mm. Is it rich in what it's teaching? Is it teaching the church true things?
2: Right. Is and, it s- sound?
0: Yeah, I mean the team here at Apostles, we've t- talked about a lot of this, and we, we have kind of three things that we, we look for in songs that are really helpful. and um, questions are, is it true first? Is what we're singing true? Is it beautiful and is it singable? And we try to make sure that all the music that we do here at Apostles at least meets those three criteria Mm. um, in some way.
1: Well, we're going to take a minute and listen to a little bit of your song, Renew Our Song. Can you tell us how listeners can find this?
0: Yeah, it's on all streaming platforms. What we mean by that, Spotify, Apple Music amazon music i mean you can buy it on itunes you can buy it other places but you can also just if you're a member of any of those streaming services you can stream it there
2: under apostles worship yep apostles worship yeah, you just search for that and you can find it yep
1: okay let's listen together
2: sadness, when
3: Our voice to sing. May our song be pleasing and may it find your
1: Okay, so tell us about the history of this song, Renew Our Song. What prompted it? How did it come to life?
2: So um, I think it's just been a season of struggle for Jeremy and I. We've been going through infertility for about three years. And in the middle of a struggle, like infertility is just, gosh, so many questions. It's so stressful. It can be traumatic. It is everything. Like I... Once read in a book that infertility is compared to um, a person diagnosed with cancer trying to survive and compared to a um, patient surviving a heart attack Hmm. and the stress and the trauma that a person goes through is medically on the same level of that. And I totally get that. And so when you're in the middle of such a struggle, we were just thinking we needed to be reminded of God's goodness We want to be able to sing and know of his joy in the middle of our sadness. I want to be able to sing and worship the Lord Mm -hmm. in my sadness and cry and still know that he is good. And so I think that's really where we came from Mm -hmm. with the song in the middle of this. Mm -hmm. I'm making you choke up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think as we were writing it, the more we just kind of knew that, you know, It's not just about us that we're struggling, but everybody else is struggling. And if they're not struggling now, they're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. And so we need a song that we know that we can worship the Lord in the midst of our struggles together, though. Like this isn't a this is just me and my struggle with the Lord. But there's something beautiful about struggling together as a community and as a church. I know definitely through our story that has been huge. And the Lord has really opened my eyes personally just to see how. People are willing, people of our church, our friends and family, are just willing to step in the middle of our struggle and come alongside us. And the Lord has even used it through, through the song to open our eyes through that. Like that's yeah. been huge.
0: Yeah. I think when we wrote this song, it wasn't necessarily initially, hey, let's write a worship song that deals with this topic. Um, I had been reading Nehemiah and in Nehemiah 8, is returned uh, from exile Babylon, yep. in Babylon and they've discovered the book of Deuteronomy and they read this and they're like, well, the people need to hear this. And so they basically begin preaching the word. Hmm. And as people hear the word of God, their hearts are torn yeah. and they begin to lament. They begin crying and weeping. Yeah. This is a mercy of the Lord. This is his grace toward them. God's heavy hand on them is, is merciful and, He says, no, 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 no. This is not a time to weep or mourn. This is a time to rejoice and celebrate. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm -hmm. The joy of the Lord, what is that? Well, it's, you know, I'm happy in Jesus. Mm. You know, I'm just happy about Jesus. Jesus just makes me happy. (laughs) And that's a very, to me, very trite Mm -hmm. thinking of that. I'm forgetting my, my English terms now, but the of the those two words the joy of the lord and that taken with Luke 15 when Jesus is talking about the parable of the lost sheep the parable of the lost coin and in verse 10 of that he said of Luke 15 he says there is greater rejoicing before the angels in heaven over one sinner Mm. who repents. Or I tell you, there's great rejoicing before the angels in heaven. And if it's before the angels, then it's the father who's rejoicing. Mm. Right. Mm. And so we serve an immensely joyful God.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. And I realized that, that it's his joy that he actually gives to us. That it is not a joy that we stir up in ourselves just because we need some happiness or whatever. It's, and it's actually a joy that goes beyond circumstance. It's a joy that is rich and full, a joy where I can weep over the suffering mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. and at the same time rejoice in the Lord.
3: Yeah.
0: And so we began to just think through that. And I just had this melody in my head and a very joyful melody and just a lyric reminding me, it's your joy, O oh Lord, that renews my song, renews our song. You know, it's, it refreshes us. It's his joy.
3: Yeah.
0: And, um, you know, and even the psalmist says that preaching to ourselves, why are you cast down my soul? Hope in God for again, I will praise him. And so that's the phrase that we repeat over and over in the refrain in the, in the middle of the song, I will sing again. I will hope in you. I will sing again. Remind me of the truth because it's your joy that renews our song.
1: And that, God wants me to be happy is a very prevalent Mm. theology these days. Yeah. That is seeped into a lot of churches. Right. But it's left emptiness and void, and there's no depth. And then people end up thinking, well, God has not satisfied, therefore I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. And it's good that you've tapped into that. Mm. And obviously, the hope is that people would explore that depth right. that's there that the renewal of joy and hope and all those things is there but you have to go to it right but the sitting and waiting and expecting happiness or some sort of temporary uh, emotive feeling that may never come
0: yeah it's not the absence of suffering because we think of happiness switchfoot has a song called happy as a yuppie word and i love that song so much I mean, it's true. It's fantastic. And because we think of happiness as the absence of affliction
3: Mm -hmm. or the
0: absence of pain or the absence of suffering. Mm -hmm. And I think what the gospel teaches us is that true happiness is found in Christ.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: And it's actually often through pain
3: Mm -hmm. and
0: through suffering that we realize where our true happiness lies. And it's actually a kindness to the Lord when we endure all these things. Second Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Wow. I don't think I need to say anything else. But the reality that, that what Lauren and I have suffered and what gave birth to this song in our lives was needing to be reminded that though we're experiencing this temporal suffering, you know, and we wrote this before COVID hit. Yeah, so it was like did. a couple of weeks before COVID came mm-hmm. in, in, into the U.S. And, and a pandemic ensued in our world. And mm-hmm. it was profoundly helpful, not only for us, but for our church and in some ways. And we just, I mean, it was a needed thing. We needed this song to help us get through. Not, I mean, not We needed Christ to help us get through. But well, You know what I mean? there this, this was a blessing to have something we can sing that reminds us of the truth, that right. Christ is what we need. We right. need him. We don't need children necessarily, you know, and we don't need that. That's not a need. We need Christ. Mm -hmm. And he is gently pointing us back to him in all these things.
1: The song served as a great blessing to you Mm
2: -hmm. through
1: pandemic and through your, this trial of infertility. But, but what would your hope be that the song would serve as people listen to it?
0: Um, Just that it would be an encouragement that it would remind people that the Lord is kind, mm-hmm. that he's joyful,
3: mm-hmm.
0: that, yes, lament is actually a huge part of worship, and we do need to lament, and that's necessary. We need to be willing to face hard things and say to God, hey, that hurt. This hurts. I'm yeah. hurting. Yeah. And he is with us in that. I mean, if, if his response to Mary at the tomb of Lazarus is anything, it's that he is present with us in grief and suffering he is not absent but that he is also joyful yeah and that we can rejoice even in the midst of sadness amen because we know the end right Right. he told martha i am the resurrection and the life do you believe this well (laughs) this we're gonna see him face to face and we can rejoice in that
2: yeah and that our hope is not in our circumstances of what we quote unquote want Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's not our hope It can seem like that in the moment, but hopefully that this song is a, like, when you hear this song, I don't know, for me, it's like, oh, wait, let me check myself here. You know, Mm -hmm. what am I really hoping in? That's right. Christ is my hope. Mm -hmm. I can be joyful in this circumstance. You know, like, that's what's done for me. And I hope that it would do that for others as well. Just encourage them that our hope is in Christ in any trial. Like I was telling Jeremy today, I was learning of a saying, grief upon grief. Going through a grief already, but in the middle of a pandemic has been coined as a grief upon grief. It's on a whole different level. I get that. But even in the midst of a grief upon grief, that our hope is still in Christ mm-hmm. and we can still be joyful, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I even know in the midst of our sadness, Like when we had bad news, you know, probably like a month ago, I was like crushed on a Friday. It was Mm -hmm. terrible. But by Saturday, Sunday, you know, I was like, I'm fine. I'm happy. My hope is not in this. I'm going to be okay. Jesus has me, you know? Yeah, it
1: wasn't like you willed yourself into
2: that
0: position. Right, Right.
2: exactly. You can can be like, this circumstance really sucks right now. I get it. Mm -hmm. But God's got me. It is
0: interesting that in, in Exodus, that... The Lord tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and what he's telling Pharaoh's commanding Pharaoh to release Israel, to go into the wilderness to worship. <laughs> it's in the wilderness that they meet God face to face. That's a terrifying experience for them. Um, and they want a mediator. But that was the purpose for them being sent into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness Mm -hmm. 40 days praying with the Lord and angels come and attend him at the end of that temptation. Right. So it's often in the wilderness that we are meeting God and he gently leads us there. It was the Holy spirit that drove him there. Right. Um, The
1: Israelites were looking for happiness. Right. And so they grumbled and complained the whole time. That's right. So there was no attitude of this is for our good. They were
0: fed with manna. Right. Jesus had no food. Yeah, I mean, it's there is so much richness there. And we have been in a wilderness for three years now in many ways. The Lord has met us.
2: Yeah, and even, like you said, the inspiration for your other song, Quiet, it's just we've been in the wilderness, and it's like the Lord has been quiet. And that's hard. It's mm-hmm. a hard place to be, man. You know, it is like,
3: yeah.
2: what? <laughs> And that's when you go back to the gospel and reminding yourself and reading his word and his knowing his character
3: mm.
2: and even through worship music, how helpful that is,
3: yeah.
2: how helpful is it is to just sing that over and over again, sing that over yourself together with other people. There's something that I think changes in our hearts when we do that spiritually Yeah, sets us looking towards Christ.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think your dad said something similar to that in, in "Power by Praise, mm-hmm. about something that affected the healing power of praise, that praise changes our perspective, mm-hmm. and it directs us toward Christ.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And when we do that, when we come to worship and we praise the Lord, even in suffering, even in sorrow, there's power in that. Yeah. And the Lord is healing yeah. in that. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Lauren, Jeremy is Thank you, guys, for sharing your song with us. Thank you for mm. being open and vulnerable, and and yeah. being on candid conversations. Mm. And we do pray that uh, this song would be a great encouragement to people and a great reminder that God is joyful, that He's mm. got everything in His hands, and He loves His people.
0: Yeah. And he loves His children. Thanks for having us. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. In heaven's victory song Cause it's your joyful love That can lose our soul Sing again I will hope in you For the joy joy of the Lord is my strength. strength
1: way with dr michael youssef don't forget to connect with our social media pages on instagram twitter and facebook and subscribe to candid conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode while there please leave a review it helps people find us as always thank you for listening to and sharing this episode